Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 72 of the Computer Business Marketing Show. Our show today is brought to you by Tech Blog Builder. Tech Blog Builder is the blog writing service for IT businesses. We craft content that converts website visitors into customers with 100% unique, SEO-ready, professionally written blog posts delivered on a consistent schedule. Learn more at techblogbuilder.com. On today's episode, we have David Smith on the show to talk about how to find the purpose behind your content. We'll cover the four purposes of content, the different types of content, why content doesn't end when your customer hires you, and what the marketing hourglass is and how it can help you structure your content roadmap. Plus, Paco updates us on a a big client move uh, that he has coming up, and I'll explain what topic I'll be covering at WordCamp Baltimore this weekend. All that and so much more coming up right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Computer Business Marketing Show. If you own or work in an IT services business, this is the place to learn how to get more clients, keep them happy, and grow your revenue. You can watch, download, and or subscribe to all show episodes at computerbusinessmarketing.com. You can also catch our live stream on Facebook every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Just be sure to like the Tech Site Builder Facebook page. Click on the following tab and select see first so that the live stream will jump to the top of your feed. Awesome. And uh, we love seeing you in the uh, Facebook chat. We have Greg and Sean joining us there. Uh, Good to see you guys. Uh, Some of the regulars hanging out and, um, you know, we can ask questions and interact. So we'd love to see you there on the live Facebook video stream. Uh, So uh, today our topic is going to be all about uh, content and specifically uh, trying to figure out what the purpose is behind the content that you're writing for your marketing. Uh, you know, we can talk strategies and techniques and technology till the cows come home, but none of that's going to work if your content doesn't have a purpose and you don't know what the purpose of what you're writing in your marketing is. Uh, and so we're going to dig into that today with David Smith. He's from Valens Point. Uh, and that is a uh, it's a company that basically acts as a virtual marketing department for IT consulting companies. So these guys live and breathe marketing for businesses like yours out there in the audience. And um, so something that he's discovered is that uh, when you're creating content for, for example, your website or for advertisements or whatever, it's really important that you t- kind of take the time to get to understand what the purpose is and uh, and. You know, we're going to dig into that uh, in detail today. So I'm going to really excited to get into that. I love talking content and I love, uh, you know, one of the biggest epiphanies I've had as uh, someone who markets for my own stuff is um, when I'm able to kind of have have that understanding of what my customers really want. And I'm able to explain that and get that to come across in my marketing. And it's always kind of one of those aha light bulb moments when you're like, Oh, this is brilliant. This is exactly what I need to get out there. And then the customers respond and they start saying, yes, this is exactly what I need. You're talking my language. Uh, how can I learn more? And when they come knocking down your door to get the service you're offering, uh, that helps, uh, you know, kind of, um, helps you understand that the content you're writing is, 
it has a good purpose behind it. So uh, we're going to definitely dig into that. But before we do that, Paco and I will catch you up on what's been going on in our world. Really quick, I just want to mention, um, I've been going to, I'm pretty much going to spend the entire day tomorrow prepping for a conference this weekend. Um, it's the uh, the WordCamp, uh, the WordPress conference that's happening uh, down the street in Baltimore. And uh, I'm actually speaking at the conference and I'm speaking about um, TechSite Builder, but um, I'm speaking about TechSite Builder from the perspective of a WordPress consultant. So I'm going to talk about how other WordPress consultants might want to start their own TechSite Builder type of thing for their own uh, industries. So I think TechSite Builder is, is a great kind of service that, that other people can offer to other industries, um, you know, anything from dentists to lawyers to uh, whatever kind of profession that's out there. Um, it's, a, it's a cool system. So I'm going to kind of talk about the technology behind TechSite Builder and, and how uh, we put it all together on WordPress and some of the plugins we use and some of the technology we use and stuff. So um, uh, I'm looking forward to that because, uh, you know, it's something I, I live, eat and breathe for, you know, all the time. And it's nice to be able to kind of talk about uh, what we do behind the scenes at TechSite Builder. So, hey, if you're in the uh, Baltimore area and, um, you know, you, you, you like uh, working with WordPress and websites, come on down, say hi, or just say hi uh, if, if you don't, because <laughs> I'll be around and I'll be hanging out in Baltimore all weekend, uh, starting tomorrow evening uh, through Sunday evening. So that'll be exciting. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and that's really all I'm thinking about <laughs> right now. So that's going to take up uh, my time until next week. And then after that, um, I do have uh, quite a few um, updates and new features that I'll be rolling out for TechSite Builder. We've actually rolled out quite a few new features that I just haven't got around to announcing. So if you actually log into TechSite, if you, if you own TechSite Builder and you haven't been in the dashboard in a while and you log in and kind of poke around, uh, you'll notice some things have changed and uh, or I've at, there's been some things that have been added. Nothing's been taken away, but some things have been added. Uh, and uh, uh, so I, I'm, I need to just sit down and like write an announcement newsletter talking about all the things we've added because it's been quite a bit and we've got some more down the pipe. Um, so that's something that I'll be working on next week. And uh, I'll catch you guys up with all of those details um, in the, the next podcast. Uh, so Paco, how have things been going in your world? We missed you last week, so you have a, a couple weeks to catch us up on. Yeah. So um, just uh, real quick, though. So the WordCamp that you're talking at, this is the same conference you've attended the prior years, right? That when yeah, you first well, started getting um, into WordPress? So the, the ones no? I attended prior was, uh, it was the national WordCamp, uh, oh, what they call okay. WordCamp US. Um, and this one's a regional one that's happening in Baltimore. Um, so WordCamps, you know, they have like the regional WordCamps and then every year they get to one big, you know, us word camp. Um, so yeah, so it'll still be fun. They're, they're expecting to, you know, a couple hundred people there. Um, so it'll be a, it'll be a good crowd. Um, I think Baltimore is one of the bigger ones. Okay. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's cool. Good times. Um, yeah. So kind of like what you've been saying, I've been doing a lot of prepping and stuff for my own stuff. Uh, I just did a, uh, workshop for the, uh, committee or the uh, nonprofit that I'm a part of. Um, I'm part of their tech committee. So we did a, a workshop on keeping kids safe with technology, uh, kind of going through specifically mobile and tablet devices on kind of how to monitor and create child accounts and things like that. So there's some prepping on that. 
uh, prepping on our own conference stuff that we've been doing. So that's been pretty uh, interesting as well. So that's kind of how what's been happening in the last uh, two weeks. And one thing that's kind of really taking up some time now is I have a client that's moving um, in the next month and didn't tell me until he announced uh, that he did a acquisition of another business. And I found out through his newsletter. So (laughs) when I replied, he's like, yep, we're going to need you. So that's been really interesting on its own because the new place that he's going to literally has nothing. And um, because of his industry uh, as a clothing industry, the client or the acquisition that he made literally ran the business on two phone uh, AT&T analog phone lines. There's no internet. There's no cabling for internet. There's nothing. So we literally have to do everything from scratch. And it's been interesting because in the city of Chicago, downtown, you have to go through these union specific cabling companies, which are known as riser companies. And there's one main one that is kind of just the one that has to do it. We have no idea on their availability or their scheduling. And when we're putting in the internet provider in, the internet provider has to work with this riser company to bring the internet company in to that suite. And then we have to pay the, uh, the riser company to complete the internal wiring. So the problem is, is that the property management is not talking to the ISP. The ISP is not talking to the property management, the riser company. It's a whole, it's like a two phase thing and we got to get them all moved in within a month. So it's been an interesting process kind of learning all that, especially when when you have a downtown facility like that. And when you're looking for quotes for Internet providers, make sure that they check that the building is not divided into two properties or two specific entities, because what's happening is like we try to ask for a request for Comcast and Comcast originally said, yeah, we can do it. But it turns out they're only greenlit or lit is what they call it for half of the building. The other half is unable to be lit and they're waiting for paperwork to do the other half. So that caused a whole lot of things going on. I had another. uh, So we had to unfortunately go with AT&T. AT&T had to figure out, okay, are we doing the business side or are we doing DSL? Because these two sides are completely different from whatever the wiring that was done. So that's been interesting and that's been a good experience because I have another cabling. So one, I, I found a new cabling guy. Um, so he's been going to be helping me out with that. And then I also have another job that's coming up for cabling too. So we'll see how he works out and then uh, kind of go from there. Nice. So that could be kind of a, a good service niche for you. Yep. You can uh, learn all the ins and outs of it. Yeah. As long as I can hire it out. That's I'm good with that. So it should be interesting. It should be good. I'll keep everyone updated on how that move is going. And so, cause this will be my first official move from one client space to another that literally is a total build out. So we'll see how it kind of goes from there. Cool. Exciting. All right. Um, be interested to see how that goes. Um, all right. So before we jump into our uh, interview, I just want to remind you guys to head on over to the computer business marketing dot com website where you can sign up for the computer business marketing newsletter uh, and that is where you'll receive your weekly dose of tips and tricks about uh, marketing your 
computer business. <laughs> it's I like to name things literally, right? So there's no there's no confusion what you're going to get when you sign up for the computer business marketing newsletter or when you listen to the computer business marketing show or you know whatever. <laughs> so um, so you you'll get the uh, the latest podcast episode in the newsletter. You'll get articles from around the web that we curate for you as IT business owners. You'll see the latest Facebook posts from the Facebook group. Uh, and we end every episode with a uh, marketing tip of the week um, that will give you some insights and keep you motivated so that uh, you can crush your marketing goals every week. So check that out at the thecomputerbusinessmarketing.com. Um, also, we are sponsored uh, this episode by Tech Blog Builder. Uh, Tech Blog Builder ties in perfectly to the, uh, the topic today uh, because... Tech Blog Builder is a service that will write the blog posts for your computer business. And uh, one of um, the pet peeves, not only of my guest, but of myself as well, is when you take uh, content that is just syndicated or cookie cutter or you're copying and pasting from somewhere else and you're putting it on your website, it's not really speaking to your particular customers. It's not in the voice of your business and it's very impersonal. Um, not to mention SEO, it doesn't work well for SEO and all that other stuff. Um, so that's that's been a a, a frustration I've seen uh, that's out there. And um, and computer business owners, you know, uh, IT service business owners, just don't have the time to write quality blog posts. Um, but I, blog posts are super important. You can reuse them uh, once you write a blog post. You can use it in your newsletter. You can uh, paste it in social media. You can send it out in a physical uh, newsletter. Um, that content is can be repurposed and used in lots of different ways. Uh, so that's what we try to do with Tech Blog Builder is we make it very affordable, make it very simple. Just sign up for the service. Let us know how many blog posts you want us to write per month. And then we'll knock those out. We'll post them on your website and we'll write them in your voice. And uh, we'll write them specifically to your customers. And we'll talk about the services that you provide or the information that you want to get out there to your customers. So if there's things like, you know, you provide managed services for uh, dental offices, but a, a dentist doesn't know what managed services means or what that entails or why they should care. So uh, we'll write a blog post about, you know, the, um, the ROI of uh, proactive monitoring of, uh, of dental office computers. And then we'll talk about, you know, security and, uh, and keeping things running smoothly and, and, and all of that good stuff. And, uh, and then you'll have a nice blog post that you can provide to your, your clients and to uh, attract um, prospective clients. So check it out. Uh, head on over to techblogbuilder.com and, uh, and take a look at what we have uh, to offer there. And, um, and if uh, you're looking for content for your uh, computer business blog, uh, that is definitely something worth checking out at techblogbuilder.com. All right, guys. So today our guest is David Smith. He is a managing partner of Valence Point, which is, uh, acts as a virtual marketing department for IT consulting companies. And uh, uh, the reason I brought David on is I actually saw him uh, hanging out in the uh, computer business marketing Facebook group, and he was offering some great advice to some folks there. And uh, I thought, you know, it'd be great because uh, sometimes it's hard to really uh, express ideas in a Facebook post. So I thought it'd be great to uh, get him on the show to really kind of, uh, you know, um, school us on uh, some things around content. So 
David, uh, it's a pleasure having you. How you doing? I'm doing well, Matt. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you, Paco, and, the, and your audience. Seems like a very engaged audience. So uh, you guys are like family. Yeah, yeah, I, I appreciate that, and I, I think um, that you know that's what we try to do, right? We we try to avoid um, uh, you know uh, preaching to people and and mm-hmm. telling them what they're supposed to do, and and just kind of hear what they say, and then yeah. offer advice where we need it, and then bring on experts like you to kind of uh, you know drill it home and and give us new perspectives and and new um, ideas. Uh, right. And I think um, the cool idea we're going to talk about today is really you know thinking about the purpose behind the content you write for your marketing uh, and uh, and dig into that a little bit. But before we do, why don't you just give us a, a brief overview of who you are and what brought you to the point where you are today with uh, with Balance Point? Okay, be glad to. I am a old, as I say, classically trained IT guy. Uh, in the early 80s, working with Assembler and COBOL and, and all the things that we had in the enterprise, uh, I, I kind of cut my teeth there. And one of the things I wanted to do was demonstrate my expertise. So technically, that's what I did. Worked my way in from uh, from the military service and into civilian life and being a consultant. Eventually, ended up working for an international software company where I didn't sling code anymore, but worked on the consulting side. So uh, helped businesses solve uh, their problems using technology, software, and and uh, and associated things that would help them solve business problems. And then uh, when I left that job, I determined that uh, maybe what I should be doing is helping other small companies do that. So my two partners and I established our business, Balance Point, about 10 years ago. Uh, and we concentrate on the IT consulting business. Uh, and what that means is anyone that implements anything uh, along the technology line, that could be professional services software, could be Salesforce implementation, could be training, could be uh, managed service providers, anybody that has a service that they're delivering that's IT or technology related, we find out what they need to be doing as far as putting together a marketing system um, and then help them uh, uh, build out kind of a marketing department. And uh, we typically work from a strategy perspective forward. So we'll establish a plan, a budget, a calendar, which I think are three things that every business needs. Um, and then they have the opportunity to execute them to sell themselves or hire us to do it for them. So uh, okay. that's, how, that's how we got here. Uh, and I joined your group. I, I was looking through uh, business owner groups around uh, computer and IT companies and saw yours and saw it was pretty active as far as comments and activity goes and said, I wonder what they're talking about over there. So I asked to join and you graciously accepted me in. And I started looking at a couple of posts and said, you know, content seems to be a recurring theme for this group, and uh, <laughs> wow. there are a lot of different opinions, and I have my opinion. Maybe they'd be uh, willing to give me a chance to tell them what it is. Excellent. Well, hey, the the floor is yours, <laughs> so <laughs> why, don't, why don't you uh, get us started with um, just kind of what, what your overall views are on on content in general as it, as it pertains to um, okay. IT's companies and, and maybe even, you know, approaching it as some of the things you heard that us talking about in the group and, and what your thoughts are right. on that. Right. Well, I'll preface it by saying that we're kind of a strategy first business. So um, for us, strategy means kind of concentrating on the thinking part of marketing first. Um, once you decide what your business is going to be and, and who you're going to serve, you, know, you really have to concentrate on the message, you know, what differentiates you from others in your business that uh, others in your market that say they do the same things that you do. So if you don't have a difference, you're really not going to be able to separate yourself there. So that's where the strategy piece comes into it. 
And through that strategy, we want to identify what people call personas, right? I, I think you guys have thrown that word around a lot. And it's really just a, a representation of what your ideal customer may look like. Uh, and that's important because, you know, if you're a journalist student or a writing student, you know, you know from the very first, you know, kind of lesson plan that you have that you're writing to a person, right? And, and you've got to be able to figure out, you know, who that person is and put it in their voice and figure out you know, how they want to receive the information that you want to provide. And so that's very important to think about the strategic pieces of your marketing before you get to the content pieces. And a lot of times I see people really don't engage on that strategic side first. They just want to jump to, I need blogs. I need some content on my website. I need some content on my pages. What should that be? Naturally, I want to describe what my services are and who I serve and where they are. But I think it goes beyond that. So once we figure out those strategic pieces, I think it really becomes understanding the purposes of content. And I think for me, that's where the conversation starts to differentiate from others that might want to just talk about you're writing content for SEO. You know, all you think about is Google as your audience. And I think that that <laughs> is, a, right. is, a, is a crime sometimes, right? You're doing your content a disservice because content can really be an asset to your business. And I think you talked about repurposing it and, and making sure that you've got something that you can use through different channels, your, your website, your newsletter, you know, social media, those all become places that you can use this asset that you're building. And uh, Paco brought up a great example a while ago, and he was talking about the building he's involved with and the wiring challenges that he has within a commercial property and a, in a in a area of the of the city that he's in, right? So if he walked through that process and tried to figure out, okay, well, what would somebody want to know if they're in a similar situation? He could generate content that that was that was aimed at a particular audience and then repurpose it. It becomes an asset that now his business has that he's offered that becomes a way to differentiate his knowledge base from everybody else that says, yeah, I can come in and do wiring but they don't understand how to contract with people. They don't understand who the unions are that are being involved. They don't understand that the building may be separated into two different you know, providers. And so easily he could take those experiences that he has and produce content that becomes an asset, right? And so that's kind of the perspective that I, that I deal with. And when I, come at as, when I come at content, I come at it from an asset perspective. Right. And I think um, that's a, the trap a lot of people in our uh, industry fall into is they don't spend enough time on the strategy part. Um, they, they, you know, we're, we're all technology guys at heart, right? And so we, we uh -huh. like the technology. So we want to jump right into, you know, Google AdWords or uh, Facebook ads or um, w whatever, and just, you know, get it set up and get it running and want to see results uh, before we even start to think about, you know, how are we going to actually tell our story and get our message across and attract the kind of customers we're looking for. Um, and uh, so, you know, what um, we, we've talked about um, the, the, the personas and, uh, and customer avatar or whatever you want to call it before. Right. Um, yep. And so for those who don't know, reference computer business podcast, episode 43, uh, John <laughs> Pyron actually did a really good job on how to determine your asset avatar, customer persona it can be interchangeably. Um, so that's a good episode to, if you're stuck on that part, like, I don't even know who to advertise to listen to that episode. Um, that was actually a really good one to really understand how to create 
that avatar or avatars for you. And then, uh, and then once you do that, um, what you know, and you want, and you you have kind of a good idea of who your your target customer is and and the type of services you want to uh, provide to them. Uh, then you know, where do you start? Is it do you start with the website? Do you start with your social media accounts? Where do you start putting this this information Con- and content? Yeah, yeah. I, I think the word that we look for is is one off from content, and it's called context. Right. Mm -hmm. So context Mm -hmm. becomes very important because when you determine what your strategy is and your ideal customer, you start to discover the channels that they're going to consume content through. And if you if you know, for instance, that they're primarily social media, you're going to concentrate your context on social media. But if you know it's website search, that's the way that they're going to be approaching your business. You concentrate on more content that's going to be on your website. So. Strategy doesn't end with just the personas. It, it goes into messaging and then eventually into the channels that they use to consume your content. And then when you get to the content, you really have to put that into a framework of what's the purpose of the content that I'm creating. And I think that there are probably four primary uh, purposes of content. And some people will disagree with this, but this is my opinion. Um, I think the first one is to inform and educate. So. When you're building content, you want to be able to inform and educate your audience about what they should know on your particular domain expertise, right? So if you're a, a computer business, you know, you obviously have a domain expertise in that area and you're looking to educate people about what they should know about that particular Windows platform or wiring or network connectivity, whatever that situation may be. The next important purpose is to build trust. And, and I think not a lot of people spend a lot of time you know, concentrating on building trust with their content. And so trust is, you know, case studies and be able to demonstrate your expertise, uh, be able to look at third party uh, content where that's reviews and testimonials and case studies where you have other people that talk about what you do. So those are trust building content pieces. And the next one is really probably the most underserved, you know, purpose and it's conversion content. And conversion content are are really to get your prospects to move from being just interested in what you're doing to being customers. And that opens up a lot of doors, right? So ROI, uh, calculators, and checklists, and how do you differentiate? How do you compare vendors that offer similar services that you think is a commodity that's just based on price, but it's really not? You know, you know, you know, the little tidbits that really can catch them in a trap that they'll regret after they've bought the lowest cost provider. So that's how you convert people from prospects to customers. And so that, I think that that's a purpose of certain content within your system. And finally, there's a category called customer success. And so those are all the, the support areas that you write and the help text and how to get value from your services and what they should be doing after they're a customer. And we neglect that. Sometimes yeah. because we don't we don't think that we need to be able to serve that customer. But in small businesses, especially in the technology area, a lot of us generate leads through referrals. And so concentrating content on that success aspect of it helps us generate those referrals. Interesting. So those that's, are my my four purposes of content. Yeah, that's um th- that's kind of one that I hadn't considered before was the. Uh, the customer success content or the content that you provide to your existing customers while they're a customer of your services. Can you kind of just uh, dig into that one a little bit? What sure. are some examples of, of that type of content and some tips we can keep in mind when we're 
generating. Sure. A lot of people have automated systems for serving their customers. You know, they might have a portal. And so it's the content that would be on that portal. So if you've got a portal that customers sign into, you should put an equal amount of, of purpose and energy behind the content that you serve them there and think about the customer experience of those that are already your customers as you do with attracting new customers. So what do they want to know? How do you prevent them from making mistakes with your software? How do they know that they need to be analyzing uh, their particular systems to get the greatest amount of value from it? Because a lot of times, customers will purchase a particular piece of software or equipment because they have one intended use in mind. But your job, once they have that piece of software or equipment, is to expand the value that they can achieve from it because they're not looking at other places they may be able to use it. Um, I'll use, for example, a, a Salesforce implementation. Um, they may be looking at it from a, a CRM perspective where they're you know, looking at just that aspect of tracking you know, the, the, the people that are coming to their website. And I think today I saw a post on, the, on your Facebook page about HubSpot CRM, which is a, which is a great system. But if you're, if you're singularly focused on just getting value from that portion of it, and that's maybe 25% of the value of that product, you're missing being able to utilize it for everything that you could be utilizing it for. And so concentrating on how you get your existing customers to actually get the value beyond what they think that they're going to get creates this atmosphere where they're singing your praises, where they become an advocate for your business, which generates more referrals. And so it's a, a good investment in that type of content. So anytime you've got portals that you're servicing your customers with, your newsletters, you might segment those to uh, prospects versus existing customers because the content could be a little bit different based on what they're doing. Uh, if you're concentrating on serving a geographic or a, a, a central area, a city or a county or something like that, you could have content within that newsletter for existing customers that talks about where they can find you and where they can get information from you and what you're doing within that community to strengthen your relationship with them. So don't neglect, you know, your customers uh, to the default of, you know, going to attracting more, right? You know, serve the ones you have too. I think that's right. the point of that. I love that. And that's, that's something that, that, uh, that uh, we haven't really talked about on the show. And I think that's super important. So this could be like, um, for you know, for the the folks who are listening who have residential clients, right? You you install a new computer system and you set up some software on their computer, and then wouldn't it be nice if you handed them like a manual or like a you know a how to uh, navigate your new system that we just set up for you, right? Um, or you know, for software you have the you know the FAQs and the walkthroughs and the tutorials, and uh, and yeah, I mean if you you know if you're installing. Um, uh, the same software on all your customers' computers, you can put together a tutorial video or something about how to use that, uh, that software. And I, I, I love that because that keeps, uh, and you use the key word there, the value, right? You, huh? you allow your customers to get the maximum value out of what you've already done for them so they can see like, uh, hey, you know, the money I spent on this is actually way worth it because I'm getting every ounce of value I can out of this thing you set up for me or this technology you implemented for me. Uh, and, and I think that's a, that's definitely a win-win and, uh, and the end result is like you said, getting more referrals or just having a happy customer that keeps coming yeah. back to you and buys more stuff yeah. from you. Um, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good thing. And, and a lot of times if you're working within the same 
technology, it's very easy then to maybe set up an email workflow that has a mini course on how to get the best value from that piece of technology, right? So it, it could be three to four to five emails within a sequence that says, here's kind of the beginner aspects of this particular piece of technology. Here's kind of the mid-range, and here's kind of the expert use of this technology. And then you can go back and monitor whether your customers are picking up on that because you can look at open rates and click-through rates and kind of measure whether they're engaging with that particular you know, piece of, of content that you're publishing because email content is content itself, right? And so this is just purpose that educating them more so that they can get more value from what you're doing. Now, what I didn't mention there was kind of maybe five, you know, small five, which is SEO, right? And so mm -hmm. that's another purpose of content. A lot of people concentrate on that first, and they would put that as the number one purpose. And so if you think back about, you know, inform and educate, build trust, convert, and get value. If you did those four types of things, and Google was monitoring your website, and they saw that people were coming to your website, clicking on your links, staying on your website for longer terms, consuming more pages on your website. You didn't have a lot of you know, bounce rates coming off your website because they weren't finding the content that they wanted. What's gonna happen is that you actually will increase your SEO value because you're building good content. Uh, not okay. that you're concentrating on SEO, but the byproduct of doing that is that you get better SEO from it. Right. And, and you know, I've, I've always come from the uh, opinion that SEO is just another kind of tool that you're using when you're producing content. So when you write content, you're, you're keeping SEO in mind, you know, you want to make sure that it's, it, and a lot of SEO is just good writing in general, right? You're, you're right. concentrating on a particular topic. It's well-structured. You've got some images and some bullet points in there. Um, and, but it's, it's another tool like, you know, spell check, you know, you want to make sure everything's spelled right in your article. You want to make sure things are SEO optimized. You want to make sure that, uh, you have a call to action. All of these things are just all of the things that need to go into a well-written piece of content. Right. Um, but it's not, yeah, like you said, it's not where you want to start from. Just like, I'm not going to start writing, uh, from, you know, uh, a, a good spelling <laughs> perspective. <laughs> it's just something that happens naturally as I'm writing content. Right. 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 But, but within, within uh, you know, people that are geographic-centric, they're located within a particular town or, you know, county, and that's their service area. You know, it's very easy to then say, okay, well, I, I need to SEO my content for, you know, cabling services in my particular county or my particular city. And they start with those kind of keywords. But, you know, you can tell stories around your experiences that involve those types of keywords without making it the focus, right? right. And so it's back to... You know, telling those stories, getting the right perspective, and writing things that, you know, inform and engage people, you know, educate them, content that they want to consume. And so if you start with an SEO perspective of, I've got to go out to all the tools and get my keyword list, and then I'm going to run them through all the machinations of doing that, sometimes you just lose that context of, I really just really need to be writing the content that my visitors want or my you know, prospects want or my customers want instead of what I want from a keyword perspective. Yep, that makes makes perfect sense. Okay. Uh, so, so something you had mentioned uh, before the show that I wanted to learn about because it's something I hadn't heard about was this concept called uh, the marketing hourglass. Oh, um, can yeah. you kind of explain what that is and how that can apply to our content marketing? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, let me preface it by saying it's not my idea. 
uh, I belong to a, a, a consulting network of, of marketers around the country, and there's probably one somewhere in the vicinity. We're kind of like, uh, you know, not Walmarts, but, you know, we're pretty prevalent around the country, and it belongs to Duct Tape Marketing. So that's D-U-C-T, Tape Marketing, uh, which is a book that was written by John Jantz 15, 20 years ago. And it's a very straightforward, small business-minded approach to marketing. And within that, you know, I, I when we started our company, I'll give you a little backstory. I, we knew that we could build our own marketing system. And so we all had experience with doing marketing and, and, you know, thought we knew what we were doing. I went to Barnes & Noble one day and went to the business section. And there were 20 marketing books on the shelf. And I said, I'm just going to pull a whole bunch of these things that I think are, you know, filled with information I need to know. And we'll, we'll learn from these. And I pulled off guerrilla marketing and all sorts of other labels. And I pulled off duct tape marketing, which I'd never heard of. And over the course of three or four days, I sat down and read through all of those as, as I could. Duct tape marketing was the last one I got to. And when I read it, I said, if we were going to build a marketing system, this is what it would look like. It's hmm. simple to understand. It's straightforward. And the chapter that really sold me on it was something called the marketing hourglass. I've been in sales for a long time. Uh, sold IT services, sold consulting, sold software. Um, and everybody talks about the marketing funnel, right? The sales funnel, right? You've got all these people that are above the funnel. You try to squeeze them in to drop them into the funnel and you keep compressing and compressing, compressing. And then eventually they poop out of the bottom and, you know, that's, <laughs> that's your customer, right? And, and that's just bad, right? You know, just the, the concept <laughs> of that just didn't ring well with me. Yeah. But, the marketing hourglass, as John Jens defined it, it says that you know, there's really seven steps that we all want to go through in a relationship that we're buying from a vendor. And at the top of the hourglass are the things that we recognize, know, like, and trust, right? You've heard that over and over. It's kind of cliche. We do business with those that we know, like, and trust. And so there's, there's definitely content that supports that portion of the hourglass. You can write, uh, content that informs and educates and that's kind of getting to know you but when you start adding your own perspective and how you address a problem that's when people start to know something about you and then they can align to your particular perspective and go to like you right and then entering into this credentialing right so you're a member of the chamber you're a member of the better business bureau you can write about your experiences there you can write about credentialing and the expertise that you have to build trust and then we get to the next piece, which is kind of the middle of the hourglass, which says that people want to actually try your service before they buy your service. So the hourglass starts off at the top, know, like, trust, try, and buy. And try and buy become very interesting for IT consulting and IT firms because people just don't want to jump off into, I want to switch all my services over to a new provider, right? They want to get a little sense about how you work. And content plays into that. Because content can, can actually inform your customers around processes that you use. So if you do an assessment of an environment, you know, that's kind of a, a demonstration of how you work, how thorough you are, how you communicate, how transparent you are. And that's kind of a try process. And so if a, if a prospect invites you out to do some type of assessment of their network or their, or their building, you, know, you can look at that and try to fill in the blanks with content that demonstrates how they're going to work with you, which is definitely that try phase of the business. And then they want to buy, 
right? They want to they want to buy and become a customer of yours. And there's content, like I said before, around conversion that gets them there. Uh, underneath that, underneath no like, trust, try, and buy, is creating repeat customers. Those com those customers that are your monthly recurring revenue. They've signed up for a service and they're going to be with you for a long time. That gets into the aspects of customer lifetime value and all those types of things. And that's really where you start concentrating on this success content. You know, how do you let them get the greatest value for what you have? And underneath that, once they become a repeat customer, is referrals. They become the champions of your business. They're introducing you to people just like them that have the same problems, that recognize that they want someone to take care of things the way that you take care of it, whether that's peace of mind or premier service or whatever your message is into that particular audience. And so you've got this hourglass concept that says at the middle of it, I don't want those things to just drop off. What I really want to do is leverage them, right? And so the, the repeat business and the referral become important because when they get to the referral, they become champions of your business. That is really the ideal customer, the persona of who you should be pursuing, right? And so they become those that you want to attract. And if you turn the hourglass over, now you've got, you want to attract and you want those people to get to know you. You want those people to get to like you. You want those people to get to trust you. And so uh -huh. that's the contents between a sales funnel and a marketing hourglass is that you don't let things drop out of the bottom of it and just go off into service delivery or the salesperson's going to call them one time a year. They become right. an active component within your marketing because if you can get them into the referral stage of your business, they're a marketing asset. And so you should be investing in that marketing asset. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, definitely. I, I like I like that concept of of uh, flipping the hourglass over. That's a great visual to kind of yeah. like you you got to restart these, the process. Yeah, you got these customers that uh, that came through your funnel basically, and you are qualified and love your services and had a great experience. Why not use them to then bring more mm -hmm. people like them? Uh, and that's something we've we we uh, we've talked about before, and I think is worth reiterating is is your your happy customers that you enjoy working with and they enjoy working with you that's i mean that's your avatar right there right that's yeah. your persona that you want to you know see if you can clone those people <laughs> and right. uh, it sounds like the a great way to do that is through the content not only that you provide to them but also you as you write more marketing content to try to get new customers you use them as your kind of your sounding board and then try to you know speak to those same type of people through your marketing yeah. So as a consultant, you know, we always joke about this. We go into a, an office somewhere. There's a there's a whiteboard there. We have to write something on it. Right. So we typically start off with the grid and we have two axes on it. And, and those would be, you know, the people that refer us to others. You know, that's that's somebody that I want to actually do business with. And I want to have more people that refer me to others. But the other axis is who's economically important to my business. Who are the most, most profitable customers? So if, right. if I have a, a business that's referring me to others, but they're kind of profit neutral, I don't really want a whole bunch of those. You know, what I really want is somebody that, that is in that upper right quadrant. They're referring me to others and they have a significant economic impact on my business. Those become the, the ideal customers. And that helps you kind of identify the content that you should be writing to connect with them. And it goes back to the channels, right? Maybe they're podcast consumers. Maybe they're video consumers. Maybe they're written content consumers. You really have to understand them in order to know, 
when you're producing content, what types of content do you need? Because there are, there are 20 different types of content, but probably only five or six are going to be really important to your business. And knowing what those are and how you're going to use them to connect with those, those ideal customers is something that you really need to understand in your strategy. Great. And um, uh, so what are some examples of those types? So you mentioned um, podcasting and we've talked about blog posts. Is there any yeah. other types of content? Yeah, I think, I think it's kind of a hierarchical. I think everybody kind of knows this instinctively. You know, articles, you know, obviously at the top of that because they can be repurposed. They can be repurposed easily into videos. So that's probably a type that you want to use. Any type of visual, you've got a process. You've got a one, two, three step or a roadmap of how to get something. Those are very easily in, uh, illustrated through infographics. And so those visuals where you can diagram out, you're at this point of your, of your journey. You need to be at this point. What are the obstacles that you're going to undertake? Think of a, a candy land board, right? So you're moving through the curves, but there are those stairways and ladders that you can take as shortcuts. And oftentimes people want to put those into some type of visual so they can see it. Building trust and converting customers oftentimes comes down to having case studies um, and having the right type of testimonies associated with that. So I think that's a content type. Webinars and podcasts allow you to generate new things that people consume, you know, kind of on demand. So that becomes very easy for them to do. Email is a different content type, and we both have emails that you would send out on a regular basis as in newsletters, and you have campaigns that are emails. So you might have workflows about offerings that you have every quarter or some type of, of you know, emphasis, say this month is security month, and uh, you want to make sure that you've got some workflow that educates and forms and moves your customer to where you would like for them to be that solves a problem for them through email. Standard presentations are something that's a content type, and a lot of people disregard that now, but through SlideShare, where you can go out into LinkedIn and put those presentations, it's a great opportunity to, to get a new channel for people to consume uh, your content. Um, and then social media, obviously, is out there where you can repurpose things in the social media, and then obviously taking all that and aggregating it up into you know, white papers or eBooks is kind of the end of the channel. So once you generate the smaller pieces of it, then with a site toward pulling that into bigger pieces around eBooks. So those types of content are generally used in the IT community because people that we're dealing with, our, our consumers, are used to consuming some of those things. What you want to do is maybe create a grid of all those different types of content that you could be producing and then figure out your priority from it. So if I write a piece of content, how do I repurpose it into three of the other pieces of type of content that I need? Right. And that would help you kind of build a content calendar saying, really what I should be doing is in the first month of every quarter, concentrating on written content on the second month of each quarter, repurposing it into video. And then on the third month of each quarter, taking that content and repurposing it into presentations and visual representations of it. And so that kind of simple approach that's systematic so that you're in the habit of doing that every month helps you kind of, you know, grid out your, your, your content and make sure that you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. And it also addresses how your audience wants to consume it. Love it. Yeah. I think um, that, you know, finding the, the right uh, content types and channels and then just sticking to it. Cause mm -hmm. I think some people get shiny object syndrome and want to, they spend some time on Facebook for a little while, then they don't see results or they get bored and then they go to Instagram. They don't see results. They get bored. They start making videos and then they start a podcast and 
and everything starts and then stops and, and then they don't go back and revisit it. Uh, and I'm a big fan of, you know, committing to a couple channels and just going as long as you can on them. And it takes a while to drum up interest, to drum up an audience. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you stick with it, eventually you'll have uh, this long history of content that people can go back on and and find and it shows up in search engines and it you know it's a, a lot of great it's a, stuff it's an asset it's yeah. you're building you're building right. business assets by producing quality content and one of the things that we haven't talked about but i think that we do uh need to is talking about the customer experience because that is really what we're talking about when we're talking about the intersection of content and a channel say website social media we really should be putting that to the context of What's the customer experience that we're trying to build? You know, what, did, what do they want to consume and how do they want to consume it? Uh, do they want three pieces, uh, three minute videos versus 30 minute webinars? Um, and we have to think about that and be able to partition our content in a way that they want to consume it. And I think a lot of times the most important question that we as, as business owners and as marketers need to answer right now is how are our customers buying? Because how they buy has really changed within the last 10 years, five years, three years, as we start to see a lot of you know, digital disruption come into play. And so if you think back from you know, where things were 10 years ago when you were a small business and you were offering computer services within your, your community, you know, a lot of that was by referral and maybe someone walking into your shop or they had a computer that they brought to you that needed a problem fixed or you went out on site to their to their business and actually worked with them on something. Nowadays, they're going to do a lot of research before they ever approach you. And so that's part of their buying decision. And so understanding, you know, they're going to do a search. They're going to look for recommendations. They're going to look for reviews. They're going to go out to your Google My Business page and see whether they can see something about your business there. They're going to look on social media and see whether you're actively involved in the community or not or whether you're just a, a storefront that's really not there um, you know so stepping through those then you can kind of figure out you know what are the 12 steps that they take to actually buy a service like mine what you can do is then create a matrix that says what's the content that's going to help them move to the next step and keep me engaged with them so if they're looking for reviews maybe you need to concentrate on reviews um, and, and make a asserted effort to say okay for the next six months I'm going to put together some systems around how do I generate more reviews? And that could be written reviews, it could be video reviews, it could be you know, customer case studies that you're doing about solving a particular problem. There's all different ways that you can do that, but if that's important to your customer, you should be addressing it from the standpoint of generating the content that helps you know, figure out what those purposes are. Uh, I wanna inform and educate, I want to convert, you know, I, I want to get them success from when they do purchase something from me. And so figuring those things out is, is, is very important for a business owner because if you can't figure out how people buy, you really can't design a customer experience. Right. And I mean, you're not writing this content for you, <laughs> right? That's or for right. your health. It's for <laughs> your customers and you want them to be excited to read it or excited to consume it. And so you got to, you know, make it what they want to consume and how they want to consume it, however that right. is. Right. Yep, Exactly. So we yeah. often put together the, the customer experience piece with different steps, right? And so we look at it from the standpoint of, all right, they're going to investigate our, our company. They're going to go into a website. What are they looking for, right? So, you know, are they looking for 
you know, evidence that we have expertise in the problem they're trying to solve. Obviously, they are. So how do I present that? Do I do it with video? Do I do it with a with a article? You know, and then what's the next step? They're going to determine whether maybe I'm affordable for them. So I might have pricing checklist. I may want to divulge a typical project from the standpoint of here's a hypothetical, you know, uh, customer that had this type of problem, and here's how we solved it, and here's what their investment was, so that they can quickly, you know kind of qualify themselves or disqualify themselves. And a lot of people are afraid to do that type of content because it reveals, you know, pricing and things that they may be sensitive about. But it's your customer that's that has that question in the back of their mind. And who do you want to be? Your competitor that's not answering that question or your company that can get out there and, you know, put that in front of the customer and inform them and at least to give them a baseline so that they're educated about what they're buying and they're building trust, right? So if you're revealing that type of thing, it is definitely a trust-building asset that you have there of informing them, this is what you should be expecting to pay for this type of service or this type of product that you buy. Right, that's, that's great. Um, great stuff. Well, I mean, we could sit here and talk all night about this, but uh, well, we, we, we are running out of time. So real quick, um, is there any um, you know, place people can go to learn more about this or, or any you know, um, additional kind of info you have absolutely you can go to valencepoint.com which is v-a-l-e-n-s-p-o-i-n-t.com i'll send this over to you and i'll also post it if you'd like or allow me to i guess onto the website uh, onto the facebook page um i've got a couple of tools that i'd like to provide your your listeners and your, and your okay. audience um a kind of a, a content planning checklist so they can go through and prepare to do some content planning which is a great thing for them to be doing in q4 um uh, self-assessment on your content marketing efforts so you can see uh, some of the things that you should be aware of and assess yourself. Uh, a content type worksheet, which will go through that matrix of if you're trying to build a customer experience, what type of content should you be using? And then an ebook about customer experience and how that can help you move your business forward. So those things, I'll, I'll send you the links for Matthew and then you, you can post them into the notes okay. and people are feel free to come download those off of our website. Perfect. Sounds great. Sounds like a lot of uh, great tools to kind of get people uh, moving in the right direction. Great. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks so much for uh, being on the show today. Lots of lots of great uh, things to think about and kind of frameworks. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of having the frameworks. So some frameworks we can follow and and uh, and uh, lots of great tips. So I uh, appreciate you taking the time today. Thank you. Yeah. Great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Uh, so that's going to do it for this episode of the Computer Business Marketing Show. As always, let's keep the conversation going. So whether it's in Facebook or on the computerbusinessmarketing.com, let us know in the show notes over there what you thought of the episode. If you have any follow-up questions, uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. Also, don't forget to join us in the Computer Business Marketing Facebook that's been mentioned a couple times today. Uh, just go to Facebook and search for Computer Business Marketing or uh, type uh, techsitebuilder.com slash group uh, in, your, in your browser and that'll take you there. Um, and we'd love to have you join the group and uh, either help other folks out or get some help if you're ever in a bind or you ever have questions about your own business marketing. Uh, helpful folks uh, like David are there uh, to help you out with that stuff. If you listen to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, be sure to give us a shout out and leave a review. We love to hear your feedback and every comment helps so that the podcast can be found by others. Finally, don't forget to check out our sponsor for today. That is Tech Blog Builder at techblogbuilder.com. Thank you for checking out 
this episode of the Computer Business Marketing Show. This is Matthew Rodella. And this is Paco LeBron. Saying here's to your success. <laughs>